Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. grandfather used to say it's not how high you jump but it's how straight you walk when your feet hit the ground and, uh, and there, there's just a lot of wisdom in that statement and uh, because there are seasons of jumping seasons of joy and seasons of praise and worship but you know many many times our days are spent just walking with the Lord just serving him that's what I want to speak to you about tonight. The book of Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 16. Um, in, in all truthfulness, we could just read the, the entire chapter, the third chapter. But uh, we'll just read a few verses and then refer to maybe some of those that precede this. Philippians three sixteen. the Bible says, Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. And let us, or let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which so, which walk so as ye have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. That's, that's alarming, isn't it? Amen. But Paul is speaking very forthright. Many of, he said, I've told you often, and now I tell you weeping, or I tell you with a spirit and a sense of brokenness. I tell you that there are those that are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. I want to just speak to this evening about walking with the Lord. And you may be seated in the fear of God. I am an observer of people. I, I suppose that interest is somewhat connected to my calling to the ministry and as a pastor in particular. I, I wouldn't deny that accusation or charge, I suppose. But I often find myself in public places just sitting and watching people pass by. Not to judge or criticize them, but just to... Um, Maybe just look at them analytically, whether it's in the mall or just walking down a busy sidewalk, whatever it may be. I find myself many times riding down the road and watching people uh, driving down the road and just kind of wonder where they're going. And uh, uh, coming home from general conference, my wife and I were coming back through Atlanta on Sunday, and I thought Sunday afternoon, it, it surely couldn't hurt to go through downtown Atlanta and oh, what a mistake it had proven to be. And we just kept asking ourselves, like we own the road, where are all these people going? And what are they doing out here? And uh, I'm quite sure that many, if not most of them, are driving with some intention, and they're obviously 
driving with some destination. But by the same token of not only watching people walk or drive or whatever literally, but I often wonder about where people are walking spiritually. Sadly, I think many people are just drifting and they're just a little bit unrooted and they're awash from the shore, so to speak, and they're not grounded in something. They're just sort of drifting along and spiritually speaking, I think naturally that's dangerous, but I certainly think spiritually speaking to be adrift is a dangerous, dangerous thing because you're just at the whim of whatever currents are beneath you or you're at the whim of whatever waves or wind are above you. And so it's a very, very dangerous, very dangerous thing. And uh, I feel like that maybe most people, or many people at least, have some short-term goals, but there are a lot of people that never really give thought to the big picture. And uh, some people kind of live just kind of Monday to Friday, just week to week, and maybe month to month, stretching it there, being pretty generous, but never give any thought to the, to the big picture of life and, and where we're going and what we're doing and what we're trying to accomplish as an individual. I'm certainly not trying to insult anyone's intelligence, but uh, even when you know where you want to go, even if you have a destination in mind, you still have to know how to get there. You've got to have something, some tool, some instrument that'll help you to obtain whatever that goal. Uh, Again, there are certainly other callings or vocations that would mandate this, but due to the work of the ministry, my wife and I for many, 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 many years kept a road map in our car at all times. Whether we were going to a conference or preaching in an unfamiliar city, whatever it may have been, we needed something that would help us make sure that we're going to arrive where we desire to be. And so you've got to have some sort of tool in your life. And of course, for the most part, I think maps have been replaced by our GPS systems, but the point remains the same. If you want to get from point A to point B, you're going to need something to assist you along the way. With a map, someone said you must plot your course. If you've got a map, you're going to have to, uh, many times we'd take a red marker or a highlighter and you would plot your course. But uh, So with a map, you've got, to, you've got to plot your course. You've got to have something to guide you along the way. And so as a church, I think if we speak in a collective sense, we must first determine what the Lord desires for us to do or be as a church. And then we have to plan in order to reach that destination. Um, I found it to be quite consistent that you just don't wind up certain places. People don't just accidentally succeed at anything. You've got to be pretty intentional about it. You've got to make sure you've got to start early, you've got to plan, and then you've got to work that plan This evening, we began reading from Philippians 3.16, but if we were to consider some scriptures previous to that, the Apostle Paul expressed very openly and uh, very wonderfully, I think, his passion to know the Lord. And uh, there's no doubt that the mission of, of Christ was Paul's goal, it was in his goal in life, not just here in this, on this earth, but it was his goal in eternity. I think that Paul had uh, an 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 unexplainable almost passion to know the Lord in every aspect. We see in Paul seemingly an unquenchable desire to know the Lord 
in a passion in, in a passionate way that's not found in everybody. You just don't see that everywhere you turn. And that, that's all right to amen that, even if that indicts us. You just don't see that kind of passion in everybody you meet. I realize that I mentioned Paul Sunday when I was preaching, but it is true. He was seemingly one of the most single-minded and focused individuals that you can certainly read about in Scripture. He, uh, he had that ineptability to just hold on to the goal no matter what was coming his way, whether it was praise or whether it was prison. He just had that ability to stay focused on what God had called him to do. He knew his goal. He knew how to get there. And uh, as a matter of fact, in many ways, Paul almost makes it seem easy. <laughs> when you think about the writings of Paul, when you think about the letters that were given to us, even from behind prison bars, Paul just has such flowing, uh, flowing vocabulary, such a pointed uh, text to reach to the heart and the mind of every person. He, he almost seems, it makes it seem easy. In other words, Paul just says, just follow the Lord. If you want to make it, just follow the Lord. When he called the first disciples, we know that Jesus just said unto them, follow me. If you'll follow me, he was actually talking to some men that were fishermen, but he said, if you'll follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And so that salvation call, I think, has never changed, and that is just to follow the Lord wherever he leads us. I think if we were to be honest tonight, all of us could say that in following the Lord, we have, we have walked into some very pleasant paths, but we've also walked some dusty paths, some paths of great uncertainty, but we just continue to follow the Lord. I'm not certainly attempting to oversimplify the process this evening, but I realize when we say that following the Lord, that can give birth to a lot of questions because where is God calling us to? And, and there are many, many questions that, that follow that. And, and how, uh, how can we follow the Lord and not make wrong turns or make wrong decisions? And I think at the root of all of this, we must say this, that we are error, we are humans, and as humans, we are subject to human error. But I found God to be greatly and highly merciful. And when we are filled with his spirit, I've often said I, I think that, that all of us can be prone to get out of the will of God because we're human. But if you have the Holy Ghost, you're not gonna stay out of the will of God because his spirit is gonna speak to us. It's gonna convict us. It's gonna rob us of sleep, whatever uh, we, you wanna, whatever, how you want, ever what God needs to do to relate to us. There's gonna be something that, that churns in our spirit. And so what, if we, what are we gonna do? There are certain, and, uh, and certain pitfalls or there's turns and twists in life that you just can't see around the corner. You don't see those things coming and we can't say ahead of time how we're going to handle that. There are even times that we come into a, a fork in the road or an intersection of life and you really don't know which decision to make and, and uh, we need God to help us. And so in, in our text, Paul is basically addressing some very, very important indicators for all of us to follow and there are, I think, some practical ways for us to to stay focused on what is very, very important, and that is walking with the Lord. And so if we can just go back to verse number 16, the Bible says, nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule and let us mind the same thing. And so here, Paul, in the King James Version, um, and, and that, that is the version of choice, but in the King James language, I should say, sometimes it's a little bit difficult to grasp what Paul is actually saying. So I'm just gonna put it right down on the middle shelf. And so what Paul is saying right here in verse 16 is this, is that we need to live up to what we have already attained. 
We need to live what we already know. And I would say tonight, if we just stopped right here, if we put a period at the end of that sentence so that it's all stand, just be dismissed and turn the lights out and go home, we've got our work cut out for us. Just to live what we already know. And so there are people that are always in pursuit of something greater and something beyond when indeed, and in fact, what we really need to rise to the challenge of is just to live in the light of what we have already attained. It's a challenge just to do that. In terms of what we have as a child of God, I believe that we have far more than we often think. Sometimes it's easy to lose sight of the things that we've been given. And uh, sometimes in our, in our hurriedness of trying to become, we forget what we already have. In our, in our attempt to get more, we forget what we've already been, been given possession of. And I, I don't want to in, uh, embarrass us or insult us tonight, but I want you to know that we can never, ever, should never, ever forget the fact that we've been forgiven. <laughs> I don't want to get so grown in God that I forget that I need to be moved when I think about the Lord has forgiven me. He, he reminds us often not for, to forget where we've come from. Don't, we read all the way back after the children were, of Israel were delivered out of Egypt, one of, the, one of the, the most pressing calls was remember, remember, remember. Don't forget where you, when you get to houses you didn't build and when you start eating vineyards that you didn't plant, don't forget, don't forget. And if we're not careful, we can forget some of those very first emotions and moments that we've had with the Lord. I don't ever wanna forget what it was like to feel that forgiveness of God wash over me and the guilt and the shame to be forever eradicated from my life. Sin's grip had to loose its hold. When we came to the Lord, he forgave our sins and there was something very unique about this process and it's something that we have a difficult time in our humanness of comprehending because we can only think of forgiveness in human terms. And when we think of forgiveness in human terms, forgiveness has its limitations. And it's all right to say amen right there. It shouldn't, but it many times does. But Jesus forgives and he does something we don't have the ability to do. He forgets. He literally forgets. That's what the scripture says. And uh, I'm thankful for mercy. I'm very, very grateful for mercy. The alternative to mercy is judgment. Amen. Justice. Justice. I don't know about you, but I, I, I don't want what I deserve. I don't want what I deserve. And I'm not trying to shame anybody here tonight, including myself, but I don't want what I really deserve. When I stand in the presence of the Lord, I, I probably don't deserve to be standing behind this pulpit tonight. I, I probably don't deserve to be before this congregation. I'm glad that the mercy of God reached down and touched me again fresh today. I'm glad of that. I'm so glad of that. Amen. So I don't ever want to forget that I've been forgiven. I want to thank him for that. I want to begin my, I want to begin my day thanking him for that. That alone is a priceless possession. Amen. In addition to that, we've been born again. Have you been born again so long that you forgot you were born again? Amen. You know, some people forget they were ever young. You ever met people like that? They just get old and cynical. They forget that they were youthful. And forget that they made they made, they forget they made bad decisions. Amen. I'll stop meddling and get back to the lesson if it'll make you feel better. But but uh, we're, if we're not careful, we will forget. We will forget uh, that that we've been born again. It's a spiritual rebirth. 
a spiritual renewing. I need a microphone, I think. We need a spiritual renewing and we need the Spirit of God to touch us. And uh, while the Spirit dwells within us, it gives us the power to live for Him day by day. Just one day at a time, one songwriter said, but there's a lot of truth to that. And this is a process. I will, I will grant you that. It, it is a process, but our, our old life passes away. The old man passes away and the new one begins to emerge day by day, slowly but surely. What I used to be, I am no longer. I am becoming more and more by the grace of God. I'm thankful, I'm thankful to be born again, to be renewed, to have a fresh start. I'm, I'm glad I'm serving a God of second chances. <laughs> yes, I am. Amen. I'm glad I'm serving a God of second chances. It's hard for us to imagine that sometimes, but if you were a beggar on the street without a future, it would be like all of a sudden being adopted by the king and then becoming heir of all things. And sometimes I'm afraid that we have been, some have been born again so long until they forget about that new birth experience and what it was like to be bound in sin. And so before you don your black robe of judgment and look down your cynical nose at somebody who just can't seem to get over a few things in their life, we need to remember that we didn't start out where we are today ourselves. We sure didn't. Being born again brings us into a family. The Bible says, David said that God setteth the solitary into families. And I'm thankful for that, to be born into a family of God. In addition to that, he fills us with his spirit and his spirit leads us and guides us. Jesus told us that he would send the spirit to teach us all things and to guide us to truth. And so truth cannot be hidden unless we choose to close our eyes to it. The spirit will lead us and guide us into truth. John 14, 26, I'll just read this in part. The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, shall teach you all things. And then in, in the 16th chapter, the 13th verse, howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. And so we just live and learn. And it is a process. The Spirit of the Lord will lead us and guide us. Now it's one thing to have a teacher, but it's quite another thing to have a guide. There are some teachers, and I say this with great deference to those teachers that are a part of our church family, but there are some teachers, and not referring to them, but there are some teachers that it's just a job, and they just sit behind the desk, and they're just trying to get from bell ring to bell ring. And then there are some teachers that are guides. They teach you how. I, I remember... Uh, uh, I remember a, a math teacher in particular, I won't call his name because some of you would recognize the name, but I remember a, a math teacher that I had in particular that I could, I could get the answer to the problem, but I couldn't show him how I got there. And I thought just getting there ought to be good enough. Let's move along. But see, he, a teacher would have said, that's all right, let's just move right along. But he was a guide. And he said, no, we're not going to do that until you can show me how. You got from here to here a guide, a guide. And so the scripture is not just a teacher, but he is a guide. He will always be with us to point us the way, to comfort us and encourage us, and I'm thankful for that. And because we have the Holy Ghost, we have been given the promise of insight to his word. The Bible teaches us that those that do not know the Lord are blind to spiritual truths. Here's what 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 says, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest 
the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. I said that a moment ago, that if, if the only way you won't walk into truth is if you let yourself be blinded or you close your eyes to truth. Truth is not for an exclusive few. It's just not for a handful here or there. But God wants to reveal himself to whosoever will embrace him. And so as a child, our eyes are opened and the spirit which dwells within us reveals the word of God to us. You ever had those aha moments? Aren't those cool? When you're just reading along in the word of God or maybe you're in church, you could be home alone just reading and all of a sudden it's just like this makes sense. God's word just came home to you and it wasn't just the preacher's version of that or it wasn't just somebody else's version of that but God brought that home personally to us and so I'm thankful for that. The benefits of just walking with the Lord. We can now read and understand God's written word because we have the spirit of God as our teacher and if you're having problems understanding him, talk to the teacher. Amen. I'm not I'm not. Uh, I'm not being unkind. I'm telling you that if we're having problems, all we got to do is say, Lord, I need you to help me. I want you to, I want to see your word. I want to see it more clearly. I want to understand it. It's not a mystery. And it's not meant forever to be a mystery, I should say. Furthermore, the Bible teaches us that all the promises of God, here's what the scripture says, are yea and amen. They are yes and so. Amen. Yes, and so be it. In other words, you can stand on the promises of God. We can base our entire lives on the promises of God. They are yea, and they are amen. They are forever settled. Hallelujah. It's not going to change. It's not going to bend with trends or fashions. It's not going to change with time or circumstance, but I can build my life upon the word of God. And so if we're born again, we also have the Lord as our advocate. Amen. He makes intercession for us. Satan, the accuser of the brethren. But Jesus is an advocate for the brethren. I'm glad to have an advocate, aren't you? Uh, some, some time back, uh, we had a, an issue with our car that involved, I thought was an insurance issue. And so I went by the insurance office to talk to an insurance agent. And so I began to make plead my case there and talk about uh, share with them what was going on and so in just a few moments she just wrote down a claim number and an 800 number on the card and slid it across the table and said here's what you need to do you call this 800 number and and here's and, and so I just sat there for just a few minutes kind of stupefied and I said ma'am can I say something to you and I'm not being cynical or rude or anything I have a sincere question but I don't know how to get it out without it maybe sounding offensive but I'm not trying to sound offensive she said go for it I said, I thought you were my agent. <laughs> I don't have cut rate insurance, you know. <laughs> I didn't get this insurance policy down in some smoky room on the, in a warehouse off the dock somewhere. I didn't say all that to her, but that was what I was thinking. I mean... Aren't you my voice? Aren't you my representative? You know what's going to happen if I dial this 800 number. It's going to be three days before I get a live person on the other end. I'm glad that I have an advocate. I'm glad that I have... We worked through that, by the way, and she made the phone call. <laughs> and got through to somebody the first time. I would have never been able to pull that off. 
But I'm thankful that there is an advocate, someone that would stand and be my voice and be my representative. I, I, I don't need somebody to hand me a card with a number. Amen. I went, while Satan's accusing, I'm glad that the Lord is my advocate that's saying, but wait a minute. But wait a minute, what a promise. We've been given this spiritual weapon that we need to defeat the enemy. And so we have all the weaponry at our disposal. We've been given the spiritual armor to withstand the attack of the Lord, but we've also been given weapons to defeat the enemy. And so when we talk about the armor of God, we need to realize that in that armor is not just something to help us take and withstand the blows, but he's also given us the sh a sword ourselves. So we can't just defend ourselves, but we can also go in a, in a spirit or an attitude, a position of offenses of well. And finally, we've been given a home in heaven. I'm thankful for that. I, I may not preach about heaven enough. I thought about this afternoon, but I'm thankful for heaven. I'm thankful that my future is secure. I'm thankful that I can stand with confidence in the Lord. I want to live just like anybody else as long as I can, as long as the Lord would grant and merit me. But I want you to know that I'm thankful for the hope that I have on the other side. One day I'm going to see Jesus face to face and live with him forever. That's not just preacher talk. That's what's in my heart. Amen, I'm not saying that because I'm holding the microphone. I'm thankful that heaven is my home. I'm thankful that I know that. There'll be no suffering, no sorrow, no sickness, no death, no pain, no fear, no regrets. I can't hardly wrap my mind around all of those promises when I think about what heaven is going to be. What a wonderful hope that we have. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. And so when Paul says that we should live up to what we have attained, we need to understand that we possess a great deal and we should live like those that have been blessed and have so much to share. Another key that Paul gives us is in verse 17 and I'm not going to take this long with every verse if you'll relax here for just a moment. <laughs> the Bible says in the 17th verse, brethren be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example or in sample. And so we need to realize that God has given us some real life examples to follow. Now I'm thankful for these examples. I'm very grateful for these examples. And I say this with great reverence and fear, but I've never met one of these. I've just read about them. I feel like some of them I know, some of them that we relate to so much, but I'm thankful for the real life examples that God has given us on this place we call earth. I'm thankful for that. And so God says that we, we have the, or Paul says we have these examples and I want to recognize that he's given us that. I was reading an article today, um, this afternoon about the life of, of, of Pastor James Kilgore. Brother Kilgore is a name that many of you would recognize, a great um, man in, in the United Pentecostal Church and just the ranks of Pentecost in general. Uh, not only did he leave a huge footprint in Houston or in the state of Texas, but literally around the world. But one of the young men in his church uh, was writing this article and he spoke about how uh, one of the men in his church was writing this article and he spoke about how as a young man he was placed in sort of a compromising position, not, it was inadvertently not of his own choosing, but immediately he asked himself this question, what would my pastor think? And he went on to say in this article, he said, I realized as a teenager that my pastor was becoming my second conscience, directing me and helping me stay on the right path. 
not as some heavy-handed dictator, but, but just as that spiritual guide, an example of someone. In like fashion, Paul said that the, that, that the Lord had given them examples to follow and he encouraged them to do so. As a matter of fact, Paul was not an egotistical man at all, but Paul said in Corinthians 11, 11, follow me as I follow Christ. He wasn't speaking out of ego, but he was speaking with great humility. Although Paul was not perfect and never claimed to be, he was earnestly giving everything he had to follow the Lord. And so when you find people like that in your life, that's, that's the person I want to hook my wagon to. <laughs> I want to find somebody like that. I want to look at somebody that's sincerely following the Lord and I want to know that they're walking way on ahead of me. I want to connect to them. I want to connect my life to them and follow their example because we need other people like that in our lives. No matter how old you are tonight or how long you've been living for God, you need somebody like that in your life. We need somebody that can encourage us. They may not always be ahead of us. There may be some that's younger than us, walking behind us, so to speak, but they're still in encouragers we need to follow their example their example well I believe that our walk with God is personal we have to realize this it's not private I have a personal walk with the Lord but it's not a private walk with the Lord I, I can't decide for you and you can't decide for me but after that decision is made then I have to realize I can't do this by myself I'm going to need people around me to encourage me I want some if I can speak in, in, a, in the sense of kind of being in the middle here tonight if I can speak from that vantage point I want some that are in front of me that have got some years on them and some experience and, and they're rooted and they're grounded I want them to help me to stay rooted and grounded but I, I also want some people that are behind me that are youthful and they're energetic I, I want them to encourage me I want them to, to uh, I want them to help light a fire in me amen I need people around me I need them to help me along the way I can't do this by myself and that's why the Lord has given us the venue of the church it's a community where we can receive the help of the Lord because sometimes believe it or not we find ourselves discouraged Yes, we do. We need other people to encourage us. And so within the community of the church, the odds that everyone's going to be discouraged on the same day is just huge, almost impossible, if not impossible, barring some uh, catastrophic thing that would happen in a local church. And so the odds that I'm going to be here tonight and I'm going to be discouraged and every last single person that walks through the door is going to be in the same shape I'm in not all that great so I may be really going through it but after a while somebody's going to walk through the back door and they're going to be grinning from ear to ear and after a while their smile's going to put a smile on my face they're going to impart something into my life and that's why Romans 15 and 1 says that those strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and sometimes we find ourselves, if we're not careful, growing a little complacent. And we need people to come along beside us and challenge us and get us off of that top dead center. And, and, and sometimes we start to stray. Yes, we do. And we need people that care enough about us that will just come to us and speak into our lives. And then we need to be grown enough to appreciate that and not be offended by that. That somebody loved me enough to reach over and pull me back in. Otherwise, I would just continue walking down the wrong road. And as our musicians come, I want to finally deal with verses 18 and 19. And this is what we must come to realize. That in our walk with God, there will be people that oppose you. You will meet opposition. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, 
verse 18, and now I'll tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame who mind earthly things. Sadly, we need to understand that there are people that will just stand in direct opposition. They don't want to see you succeed. Sadly, I have watched people whose lives were just running aground and they started coming to church and turned their life all around and their families started giving them some of the most grief and you'd think of all people that ought to be encouraging them to walk in a, I mean, goodness gracious, they're, they're a thousand miles from where they were uh, yesterday or two months ago or three months ago and, and, and some of their closest friends will be the ones that start trying to put stumbling blocks in their way and it just sort of blows your mind, doesn't it? I mean, I've watched that happen over and over and over and over. So you've got to recognize that. You've got to prepare for it and you've got to be determined not to be detoured by that. Amen. I can't let the fact that other people that are opposing me are going to influence my walk with God. I've got to stay focused. I've got to remember the cross of Calvary. Amen. That is what Paul said is an offense to many people. There are just some people that want nothing to do with it. And we remember, have to remember that some will want nothing to do with you or they don't want anything to do with your church or your God. That's just the bottom line. However, there are also those that, that Paul warned about that would pervert the gospel. They pervert it by either adding to it just a little bit or subtracting from it just a little bit. They would never call themselves an enemy of the Lord, but their teaching perverts the truth. And from those, we have to beware. Paul describes these people in interesting ways. He said that their, that their destiny is destruction. They may be religious, but their religious doesn't make them a true Christian. He says that their God is their belly. That's an interesting term. The word translated there in the original language refers to the midsection, which really largely is the place of our appetite. And that's what Paul is driving at. Not their literal belly, but their appetite. In other words, when we place our appetites as our priority, that becomes our God. What you groan for, what you long for, what you yearn for, doesn't mean that our appetites are inherently evil, but we can take even good appetites and turn them into obsessions by all means. And when we do, we become slave to our appetites, whether that's food or recreation or rest or pleasure. You can make a sin out of anything. And so he goes on to say, he goes on to say this, their glory is in their shame. Now that's an interesting term. Their glory is in their shame. In other words, they are proud of what they ought to be ashamed of. Now, if that doesn't fit in the world in which we live in today, nothing else will. Let's stand together. But just what used to bring utter and outright shame just a few years ago. Now it's walking proudly down the streets. And so what they ought to be ashamed of, they're proud of. And those examples are everywhere. People today literally boast of lifestyles that are not only perverted, but they're hedonistic. Amen. What was just shocking behavior just a few years ago is not only lost its shock value, but it's become desirable. As if to sum it all up, he tells us that their mind is on earthly things. 
They're not interested in eternity. They're living for today. He points out these people because he said, you've got to watch out for these people. You've got to be careful. You can't fall into the trap of thinking that what they're thinking is right. Their philosophy is right. So we have to, in summary, remember who we are in the Lord. Remember what I have in Him. Remember what He's done for me. Amen. I want to be a person that can encourage others along the way. Lift up their feeble hands. You know, there's a lot of people that I want to meet. I'm not sure how eternity is all going to play out. So we all just kind of base it on what we know and how we relate in life today. I'm not at all sure how it will all play out. And I know we've talked about a lot of people that we would like to meet in eternity. And I have a long list. But I'm going to tell you among those is a man, men named Aaron and her. Another man, Onesimus. Amen. Who was not ashamed of the bondage of Paul. Was not ashamed of his imprisonment, but he was an encourager. I am so thankful for those men, Aaron, that, that held up the hands of Moses. Amen. When he was tired and weary. When Paul was perhaps one at his lowest point, somebody said, I just dropped by to see you today. <laughs> an encourager to help somebody along the way. Amen. I wonder if we could make an altar where you stand tonight and could we just magnify the Lord together as we bring this service to a close in Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.